0: But what we're finding in schools is that uh, students are experiencing trauma or children with trauma are increasing at a very alarming rate. So we're trying to figure out how to go forward and um, adapt our schools to be more trauma informed.
1: This episode of Beyond Aporia originated in the Howenstein Center's webcast, Lunch and Learn with Gleaves, available at www. .gvsu.edu/hc Welcome to the Hallenstein Center's new online program, Lunch and Learn. I'm your host, Gleaves Whitney. During our stay-home order, we may not be able to journey beyond our homes, but that should not stop us from journeying beyond our minds. Today's journey takes us into the complex minds of our children. Our guide is Ellie Harnden. Ellie recently graduated from Grand Valley State University with a bachelor's degree in special and elementary education, emphasizing cognitive and emotional impairments. She also earned an award for academic excellence in special education. A couple of Fridays ago, Ellie completed the requirements also of the Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy here at the Hallenstein Center, and all of us at the center congratulate her. Today, we're going to talk about her work helping children cope with trauma, especially during this difficult time of high unemployment, rising substance abuse, domestic violence, and suicide. My conversation with Ellie will go about 20, 30 minutes, followed by questions from our viewers. Feel free to begin sending your questions to us right away using the Zoom toolbar to do so. Ellie, thank you for joining me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Well, first, congratulations on graduating. And uh, what a way Thank to begin you. your career in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Never thought that would happen.
1: <laughs> so, as I mentioned in the introduction, you just earned a degree in special and elementary ed with a focus on cognitive and emotional impairments. What have your what is your education at Grand Valley and your experience in the classroom and in the community trained you actually to do?
0: I think the, my experience in the community and in the classroom at Grand Valley and beyond has really trained me to kind of see through the minds of the children. Um, every child's different and every perspective is different. so really um, honing into looking through the, through a child's eyes, but also that relationships are key. Never underestimate the power of a relationship and also empathy. Empathy is like the biggest and most important thing you can have in teaching and trauma in any relationship is having empathy.
1: And you have a personal interest in all of this. Tell us why, Ellie.
0: So I have a personal interest in trauma because when I was um, younger, when I was nine years old, I lost my older brother um, unexpectedly in a car accident. And so as a young child, I experienced trauma and never, not until I um, got into college, did I really kind of processed that trauma. But when I knew I always wanted to work with kids and be an educator. But then I started volunteering more with kids who also had trauma. And I had a conversation with a child um, who lost a sibling as well. And it was like, wow, I can connect and I can use my passion, but also my um, experience to connect with these kids. And it really was eye-opening for me.
1: Well, understandably, you have specialized in trauma. For our viewers, how do you define trauma?
0: So if you... (laughs) Ask Google, trauma could be defined as a um, distressing or deeply um, traumatizing, uh, distressful event. But I think trauma um, can be defined, everybody's definition of trauma is going to be different. So for me, in my experience, I think of, when I think of trauma, I think of death, because that is what I experienced. So my definition of trauma However, not necessarily the case for maybe you or for my friend, her trauma, um, she struggles with diabetes. So that could be her trauma or a child whose parents divorce, trauma to them is divorce. So I think it's really important to recognize that there's a whole spectrum of spectrum of trauma and every person and every child experiences it. It's just in different more ways than one. Um, and I think it's important to realize it's any type of event that has a negative, has um, a discomfort, feeling of discomfort for a long period of time.
1: And what does the most recent science say changes inside the child's mind when they've experienced trauma? Maybe the biochemistry, you know, what, what, what's the science say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my classes at Grand Valley and in the College of Education, this is something that we've um, focused very heavily on. And a lot of professional developments for teachers and educators right now are very focused on this uh, topic and when a child experiences trauma, any type, it can affect their brain chemistry. But if you think about it, um, the more trauma that you have or a child has, the more profound effects they have. So In some cases with severe trauma, like neglect and abuse, it can change the amygdala and the fear fight versus flight aspect in a child's brain, but it also can affect their learning difficulties, um, how their relationships, it's a whole large um, piece to this big puzzle, but what we're finding in schools is that Uh, students are experiencing trauma or children with trauma are increasing at a very alarming rate so we're trying to figure out how to go forward and um, adapt our schools to be more trauma-informed. I had the privilege in February to attend the National Council for Exceptional Children Conference in Oregon thanks to the leadership and Hallenstein Center. Uh, They were very fortunate to provide me the opportunity to attend this conference through independent initiative and there a lot of the focus was on um, talking about how we're going to transform these schools to be trauma-informed and help these kids.
1: Do you think COVID-19 has exacerbated the sense of trauma in children?
0: Yes, absolutely, but I think it's also important to realize that it's not only exacerbated in children but it's also exacerbated in adults. It's um, very Kind of ironic that there's a time and place in this, or that everyone in the whole world, the whole entire globe, is experiencing the same type of adversity. And I think it's okay to understand that even adults, we're having this trauma and that's okay. But again, my trauma with COVID is going to be different than a child's um, trauma with COVID. A child could view um, their COVID experience, like, oh yeah, I'm get to jump on the trampoline every day and stay up late, and don't have to go to school. But another child's experience, if they have more um, more trauma on top of that, like you're just adding more to the like more straw to the camel's back. So we don't know. Um, so there's children definitely who live in very um, traumatic backgrounds, and they have very uh, diverse Aspects and they can maybe live in a a household where they're not getting their needs. As a child, all their basic needs need to be met, and they're not maybe getting those basic needs. So when you add add COVID to it, you're just adding more trauma, and that's just going to um, keep continuing and piling on. I like to think of analogies like in Disney, because I'm a big Disney fan. Um, Have you seen the movie Moana? No. No. Sounds like well, I should. <laughs> in Moana, at the very end, there's a big lava monster, and its name is Tafiti. And Tafiti um, just keeps getting bigger and bigger with the trauma that she's experienced. And that's kind of how I imagine um, this going on with children right now. They're feeling they have, are having all these emotions, um, unable to control their emotions. And so what we need to do as adults, we need to be Moana. And speak calm to Tavidi, and help guide um, these children through this experience.
1: Oh, that's a great analogy from a movie. I use those all the time, and I think they're very helpful in teaching other people how to view these things. Well, how has the coronavirus pandemic changed the way you view what you do? I mean, your your perspective on trauma, but more broadly, your uh, your your view of your profession now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think it's really. I mean, for any educator right now, we would have never imagined that we would be teaching from our beds for six months or from our homes. Um, and I think that's something that we were always trained to teach in person and in person we all can agree on is more effective in what the children's need, children need. Um, but the hardest part is trying to adjust how can we still use children's needs But there's this huge uh, disconnect with equity. So what if um, there's some children that have access to technology or have a computer and there's other kids that don't? And so I think that is um, a huge kind of perspective to me and the fact that it's okay if we don't teach academics right now. I know. But it's okay if we don't. We need to focus on the mental health, and we need to focus on letting these kids enjoy outside and the beautiful sunshine and enjoying more of how to handle um, all of this trauma that we're experiencing.
1: But how will these kids make up their academics, what they're not learning now?
0: So, um, I mean, in the state of Michigan, she um, said that all students are going to continue on um, unless they have different different or different situations um, they're not going to be held back. Uh, so in terms of academics we know that when students or teachers when they're exposed to um, material when teachers expose children to material on a daily basis it builds up their stamina and it builds up their knowledge of um, their material and their academics. However when you take that away then it's slowly going to their process or how they learn it or the information that they know, it's going to stay stagnant and then eventually drop. We talk a lot about the summer slope in the summertime and I think that's a huge thing that teachers are really nervous about is all this progress we've made this year, we're really afraid it's going to drop. But what's more important in my perspective, and I know some other educators can agree, is that the social emotional health has to be Um, a priority over the academics because before students can successfully complete their academics, they need to feel comfortable. They need to feel safe. They need to be able to identify their emotions. So I think right now, a lot of what teachers are trying to do and what I'm trying to do on virtual learning is giving these strategies to children about how how to cope with this and how to just be happy and enjoy, enjoy this moment in life.
1: What about the adults in these children's lives, the parents, the caregivers, the teachers? What if they're now unemployed or abusing drugs or experiencing domestic violence? What's what's happening with the children when this is happening around them and the adults they live with and work with?
0: Absolutely. So we all know that um, as of right now, like I said, it's okay for adults to recognize that we're experiencing trauma too. And I think as adults, we want to be those heroes for kids and push that off. And even though we're feeling that inside, we don't want to show it or recognize it. But it's so important to be those models for children and to show that we, we are. Yep. I have grief because I didn't graduate, or I have grief because I don't get to go to Disney like I was going to in June. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot more other grief out there, but everyone has grief and it's okay to accept that. The state um, has been providing lots of resources and a lot of school districts I know have been um, delivering lunches to homes, which is a huge, um, beautiful thing going on. But I think it's also, it's scary too, because these students who have trauma, or students who um, have more profound trauma, there could potentially be in households that, like you said, that are um, not necessarily more dangerous, but not necessarily for their successful for their well-being. And I was in a recent um, professional development online, and they were talking about how the CPS cases um, have been going up. But CPS has been backing off because they're not allowed to go into homes right now because of the COVID so that's a very scary thing to think about is that um, a lot of students who when we call CPS teachers are one of the biggest reporters for CPS and now there's all these students that that there's potential for a lot of danger going on and we're not there to support so I do know School districts who are having officials try to go to the homes and um, try to see what resources we can provide to parents as well.
1: Ellie, you mentioned uh, at the beginning of our talk what made you aware of trauma in your own life, the loss of your brother, but when did you first become professionally interested in trauma and special education?
0: I think it was all throughout my college experience. Um, um, the more experience that I had with kids who are um, who are struggling with their emotions, the more interested I'm in and so in the recent couple years when I began my student teaching, I was very drawn to the students who were going through a lot in their lives and so I sought out uh, professional opportunities to kind of build because I just find it fascinating and interesting and in how I can um, help those students as well and like I said with the lovely um, event in uh, Oregon that was able, at the National CC, it was able to help me kind of, see I attended many sessions on trauma, and that's um, kind of where my interest has just kept going from there.
1: What's the most important thing you've learned to this point?
0: I think back to the whole um, lead, uh, have, have empathy. You don't know, you can't judge a book by its cover, um, and I think another thing as teachers that we're very um, for students with trauma, we're very, very quick to judge their families. Um, I definitely can be accountable for that. I see a child but um, I am thinking stereotypically of what's going on, but you never really know what's going on. You have to have empathy for every situation, and relationships are key.
1: How do you prevent burnout? That's hard work.
0: Yeah, it is. And... Um, I do. I'm really impressed because Green Valley is definitely taught at the College of Education. They provided us with a lot of resources talking about secondary or secondary trauma, which is um, what teachers can face as well. When you're or compassion fatigue, when we're exper- it's very hard to hear all these stories and see these kids and. Um, but there's a lot of self-care um, out there and a lot of self-care professionals who are really motivating um, and trying to help teachers. I've, in this lovely pandemic, um, I before, I was running 100 miles an hour working five jobs, and now I just am a dead standstill, but it was been really nice because I was able to focus on mindfulness, and now I feel like I have had the chance to be able to Um, develop some more self-care tools that I can take and move forward. So I've been very grateful in that sense.
1: I'm glad you're taking good care of yourself. As I said in the introduction, you were one of our stars at the Hauenstein Center's Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy. So you know this question's coming, Ellie. How did participating in our Cook Leadership Academy help you and change you for this incredible path you're on?
0: So um, before... I've always wanted to be a leader. I feel like we've talked a lot about in the Cook Leadership Academy that um, having that feeling of being a leader is very innate. Um, a lot of the leaders that you've bring in for us to um, listen to, they always talk about that it's innate and it's that feeling inside. Um, however, I struggle a lot with self-confidence, and I always worry what people think. I constantly think, oh, I can't say this or I can't do that because they're going to worry what I think. But what I really... Um, learned a lot from cook leadership is to believe in myself and it's okay to accept that I have low self-confidence but cook leadership's helped empower me so and give me hope so I can give hope to other children um and they believed in believed in me so I can believe in others I know that's kind of cliche and corny but there's so much that it's it's hard to put into words how much empowerment of the cook leadership academy and how valuable that is Um, not only with the support and like you got this and oh my gosh like that is incredible but also the opportunities um in addition to the or, uh, opportunity in oregon last this time last year i was in washington dc um thanks to the cook leadership academy and we I attended the washington campus program And there I was able to uh, learn um, from leaders in education at the Department of Ed. And that's something I think about on a daily basis that, wow, that's definitely a highlight of my college career.
1: Okay, now this next question is a little bit of a setup, but I know who your mentor is. And I wanna ask you, how important is it that a student getting their degree, their credentialing, and their first experiences. How important is it that that student have a mentor through this process?
0: So shout out to Suzanne Richards right now. I know she's watching, so hi. Hi Suzanne. Uh, She's been my my rock throughout this whole thing. Um, And what I can learn from that, or what I can try to teach to others, is that having a mentor like Suzanne, who's a rock star, Gives you once again empowers you and gives you that hope that you can provide um, further and be a successful leader. It's so wonderful to have someone that has very similar aspirations as you do and move forward and um, helps guide you and kind of be that guiding light and your own cheerleader. Who doesn't want your own personal pocket cheerleader?
1: (laughs) Right. So, what happens now that you've graduated? What's the next step for you? You might want to speak to the short term and a little bit longer term.
0: Absolutely. So short term, um, right now I am teaching. I, well, I'll back up. I accepted a position before this pandemic um, teaching for students with emotional impairments um, here in Grand Rapids. So I'm very excited to teach in a self-contained classroom for those students, but um, since all of this has happened, I'm also teaching virtually online, filling in for a teacher who passed away, and that's been a very eye-opening opportunity for me as well to learn virtually and kind of see, oh, what's this going to be like in the fall? Are we going to have to teach virtually? But I think... Continuing moving forward, I'm definitely going to take on more leadership opportunities, um, and I have to give another shout out to Suzanne because she's helped me develop this five-year plan and ten-year plan. And I think in five years, I'm really hoping to have my special education administration or special education administration degree um, with emphasis in educational leadership, so I can help become a s- successful educational leader.
1: Very good. Well you know, I always like to ask students like you, you know, if you think far into your future, or maybe not that far, but what would be the capstone of your work and career? And since you love theater, Ellie, what would be your Tony Award in your field?
0: (laughs) So back to the Washington, D.C., I had the opportunity to meet with the Director of Special Education at the Department of Ed, Lori Vanderplug, who actually is from Grand Rapids. She, um, was a professor here at the College of Education for Special Education Administration. So it's pretty cool that we have a Grand Rapids native in um, a seat at the Department of Ed. But after leaving my conversation with her, I was like, that's the job I want. (laughs) I want to be the Director of Special Education at the Department of Ed. So it's a very ambitious career. So maybe um, something more towards the Department of Ed in Michigan, but I definitely would like to be a director and help inspire kind of be the voice for children, but for teachers as well.
1: Good. Well, Ellie, we have viewers queued up to ask questions, so let's bring them into our conversation. We have one viewer ask, what advice would you give an incoming student to GVSU? And that's probably a pretty, almost a provocative question at this point, when those students are in a very uncertain situation right now. Many of them want to start, but we have COVID-19 out there. So what would you say?
0: I think um, biggest thing is find what your passion is, and don't give up on those opportunities. Immerse yourself in so many different opportunities. Something that you might be like, I don't know if I want to do that. Try it because you never know what's going to happen. And with COVID nineteen, I think it's really important to um, we're so quick and we talk a lot about this at the Cook Leadership Academy. We're so quick to judge ourselves. Get rid of that self judgment and really focus on what make being. Successful for you because if you're not happy as a person, then your career and who you um, influence—I just—it's a continuous effect. So definitely find what makes you happy and go for it, and take advantage of every every opportunity because Grand Valley has provided so many that I cannot even begin to continue on.
1: And this is a related question: How has goal setting helped you through your education?
0: I think goal setting has helped me through my education because it's helped me put into perspective uh, and keep keep thinking of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So having these goals, and when things get tough, and when when I'm working eighty-hour weeks, and I'm crying in my bed because I can't get my homework done, I'm like, "This is why I'm doing it. This goal is helping me." Um, But also having those, making a telling people your goals because you it takes a village to get through everything in life. And I think it's important to have others be aware of your goals as well.
1: I have another viewers asking, what subjects are you really looking forward to teaching children?
0: One thing I'm really looking forward to teaching children is emotions. Um, I know that's not a very specific subject, but um, when teaching students with emotional impairments, they really struggle on learning to regulate their emotions and I think it's so much fun to help identify different emotions um, and help students uh, work through those really tricky um, situations but in a more academic sense I love reading so I love I have a YouTube channel where I read to children it's really corny but I love love teaching reading and um, passing them the love of literacy.
1: It's almost as though you know the questions that are coming in, because that's a perfect segue to a question that just came in from a viewer. How have you been able to assist your current virtual students in learning? And then secondarily, how have you been able to assist those students process the death of their teacher? So both questions.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to try to answer that question one. Um, I think Some students haven't vocalized with me a lot about um, the passing of their teacher, but the students that have, uh, they'll come up and say, yeah, it stinks. And I will acknowledge um, saying, yeah, it is really hard, but think more of the memories. Because what got me through my brother's death is focusing on those memories and those, um, doing those Traditions. So I've kind of turned that around and helped those students thinking. Um, like one student, for example, she kept saying that her teacher uh, kept kept saying every day, "I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you." And that's one of her memories of her teacher. So I told her to write that down and post it in her wall. And so she was so excited. She sent me a picture um, yesterday. She goes, "Look, Miss Harden, I have a picture of the quote on the wall, and that's a little inspiration." So holding on to those memories oh. of their teacher and understanding that it's okay to, to grieve that death. Oh, Very good. You're breaking up. Ellie, is there
1: anything else you would like oh. to... Can you hear me now? Is there anything else you would like to oh, mention that we you. haven't yeah. covered? Is it, my Not question was, is there anything else you would else like else
0: to... Anyone else has any more, more questions? questions? Oh, can you hear uh, me okay?
1: I, I think uh you're breaking up a little bit i do have a couple of new okay, questions is it
0: better now awesome yes
1: all right what's the biggest challenge for a new teacher having to teach online that's a good question
0: the biggest yes definitely the biggest challenge for me right now is i've never met these students um i've never met the teachers that i'm working with and that is a huge struggle for me because all teaching starts with has to have a strong basis on relationships so I'm coming on to these students who don't know who I am I'm a stranger online saying hey I'm here to help and they don't know me they don't know who I am so I think it's really hard to try to build those relationships you have to be very creative to build those relationships virtually um, and kind of build on onto that that helps answer that question
1: well, very good. Well, thank you, Ellie, for sharing your story and inspiring our viewers with your passion for teaching children who have experienced trauma. The people who've tuned in can see now why you are so highly regarded at the Hallenstein Center's Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy. We wish you the very best. Thanks also to our viewers whom I invite to Zoom in or join us on Facebook at the same time Tuesday, May 12th, when my guest will be Michael Kimmage a history professor at Catholic University of America, who has also worked in the State Department. Dr. Kimmage has just come out with a provocative new book, The Abandonment of the West. And we're gonna be talking about that book till Tuesday at 1 p.m. Stay tuned and stay well. Beyond Aporia is a podcast brought to you by the Hallenstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley State University. The director of the Howenstein Center and producer of this podcast is Gleaves Whitney. The theme music was composed by Andrew Whitney. The Howenstein Center is inspired by Ralph W. Howenstein's legacy of leadership and service. Our programs address many of the pressing issues that Americans face. To learn more about the Howenstein Center, please visit us at www.gvsu.edu/hc. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is Gleaves Whitney.